0: A wealthy man was on his deathbed and he called his three close friends who had also rendered to him for decades invaluable services to his bedside, his priest, his doctor, and his lawyer. And he said to them, I have a strange request for you. Look in the dresser drawer, the top drawer. They opened it and they found three envelopes with their name on it. And in the envelopes, each of them was $25,000 in cash. And he said, now I want you to make me a promise, he said. You know, we're told we can't take it with us when we go. But I want you to promise me that after I die and you, at the viewing, that you drop these envelopes in my casket. Well, they thought it was a strange request, but it was his money after all. And uh, so they agreed. And a couple days later, the man died. And there was a funeral and then there was a viewing. And each of them paid their last respects, and as each of them came to the coffin, each of them dropped an envelope inside. Well, at the reception after the funeral, it was clear that the priest was uncomfortable, and he, he said to the other two, as they were just gathered together talking, he said, I have a confession to make. He said, I only had $10,000 in the envelope I put in. I gave the other $15,000 to missionaries in Ecuador. They really needed it for a new well there. And then the doctor confessed. He said, you know, I only, I only had uh, $5,000 in the envelope. I, I gave the rest to the local children's hospital. And the lawyer said, I can't believe you two. I mean, we made a promise to our friend. And you guys didn't follow through. And the two of them said to the lawyer, you mean to tell us that you put all the money in, in the envelope in the casket? And he said, well, of course I did. I, wrote a personal check in the amount of (laughs) $25,000. In the parable that Jesus tells, the first son promises to work in his father's vineyard, but he does not keep his word. The second son tells his father, no. But then he changes his mind, and he goes to work in the vineyard. The first son represents the religious leaders of Israel. They pretend to follow God, but they are actually disobedient. God sends John the Baptist and Jesus to preach repentance, but they do not believe them and they do not convert. The second son represents the public sinners, the tax collectors and prostitutes, who know they are sinners. They are living in a kind of open rebellion against God. Everyone knows they're sinners. But when they hear the call to conversion, they change their minds, they change their lives, and they obey the Lord. Now, I imagine the first son uh, feeling very good, saying yes to his father. But perhaps he didn't give much thought to what it meant to labor in the vineyard. And perhaps when the time came to work, and it was a hot, and difficult, hot day, he thought of the difficult work, he decides not to go. When the time to do the work comes, he doesn't show up. Maybe he thinks his father won't find out, and he could have just played the good son. I imagine the second son initially saying no, but then thinking about it afterwards, thinking about the hurt look on his father's face, thinking about all the good his father has done for him, and then realizing he should help out. He wants to make up for his initial disrespect, and so he goes to work. I think some people play the good Catholic without doing the real work of conversion. They may go to Mass on Sundays. They may even pray novenas. But they don't honestly look at the contradictions in their lives. They don't honestly look at what the Lord is asking of them, the change that God is asking of them. They hold grudges. They live luxuriously. They have a sharp tongue and they looked down on others. When I was pastor of Ascension Parish in Terrasana, I used to go once a month to the women's jail nearby, Las Colinas, and I would uh, visit the women and oftentimes uh, would hear their confessions. Some of the saddest stories are the women who um, had lost custody of their children because of their crimes. Since they were in jail, they couldn't pretend to be good people. Their confessions were often accompanied with tears. They were sorrowful and sincere. Many of these women, while in jail, would read the Bible every day. They would attend prayer services. They would try to show kindness to their fellow inmates and prison staff. And I remember thinking when I visited them that they were like those public sinners that flocked to Jesus. One thing we should ask ourselves is: um, am I being honest about what areas of my life need conversion? Have I rationalized my bad habits? Have I am I kind of living a double life in a way where I'm pretending, at least on the outside, to be this faithful Catholic, but actually I have these serious contradictions in my life? You know, you know what Jesus what, what his biggest criticism of the religious leaders was, he called them hypocrites, which is a word that means basically means actor. They gave the appearance of holiness when in fact they were rotten inside. If that is what Christianity becomes, it is worse than being an open hedonist. Right? It's, it's worse than that, huh? Jesus says that the salt loses its flavor. It's of no use. It should be thrown out. And often I think that when someone who is a Christian uh, is discovered by, by non-believers or even believers to be living a double life, that scandalizes them. They begin to think, well, the whole thing is a farce, you know? It dishonors the gospel and God's holy name. So the first task is to be honest with ourselves, huh? Now, this doesn't mean, you know, when we become aware of our faults, it doesn't mean we give up trying to be good. All of us here are struggling in some way to grow in holiness. Uh, It means, though, that we turn to God as those tax collectors and prostitutes did. And we say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, help me to love what you love. And then we take the necessary actions. We take some actions, right? to bring our lives into greater conformity with our calling and identity as sons and daughters of God. And this is the truth that sets us free. Now, we know that the greatest virtue is love, right? And so it has to be our favorite, so it's my favorite. But next to love, my favorite virtue is the virtue of integrity. John Cassian writes that the man of integrity is one found the same day and night, the same in bed as in prayer, the same alone as surrounded by others, with absolutely nothing to hide. He doesn't wear a mask and pretend. Integrity is the congruence between our belief, our words, and our actions. And of these, actions speak the loudest. Right? Words are easy to say, Promises are easy to make, but actions reveal our truest self. As uh, Rachel says to Bruce Wayne in the movie Batman Begins, it is what you do that defines you. Or as our Lord said, you will know the tree by its fruit. You know, men and women of integrity are at peace. Their lives are harmonious. They are the people you want to work with. They're the people you want to work for, have worked for you. They're the people you want as your friends. They're the people you want your children to marry. And God, who is so good, deserves to be served by people of integrity. I want to leave you with a, an injunction that is given to men when they're ordained to the diaconate, and they are presented with a book of the scriptures. And what the bishop says to them, I think all of us can hear. And accept as being said to us, Receive the gospel of Christ, whose herald you have become. Believe what you read, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach.